Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Good, very good Saturday morning to you. It is Drive Time Radio. My name is New York Vinny. In case you haven't uh, or we haven't met, I do a little radio program here called Drive Time Radio every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. <clears throat> or thereabouts, uh, we try to bring you the latest in news and opinion about uh, cars and what's going on with cars uh, from, you know, an old junker to uh, the, the brand new um, Hornet that was introduced this week. Yes, the uh, nameplate Hornet it moves back into the American automotive lexicon, and we will... Um, or nomenclature, I guess I really should say, and we will talk a, a little bit about that as well as uh, we get a chance to, uh, you know, talk about uh, a lot of manufacturers who have uh, taken center stage for at least a moment this week. Uh, Stellantis, formerly known as uh, Chrysler, formerly known as Chrysler Jeep, formerly known as American Motors, formerly known as Rambler, formerly known as Imperial, you, you get it, uh, made some uh, some news this week by bringing back that uh, brand, uh, that, that model, the Hornet. Uh, if you remember, it was... Um, one of AMC, American Motor Corporation's biggest vehicles in uh, the, let's see, I think they rolled out the first one in 1970 uh, of that edition of the Hornet. And, of course, there was an earlier edition of the Hornet back in the Hudson, which was probably 50, 51, 49, somewhere in there. And uh, actually, not many people probably know this or remember this, uh, but the Hudson Hornet was one of the fastest cars uh, that you could buy off of a showroom floor uh, back in the early 50s. It was a NASCAR leader uh, in, uh, when NASCAR was in its infant uh, stages. Uh, the Hudson Hornet was one of the fastest uh, vehicles out there. And you could buy one, and they were used, uh, you know, as passenger cars, but they were also a favorite of the bootleggers and the uh, uh, the rum runners who traversed the roads of the South uh, giving birth to NASCAR. And uh, so uh, Dodge, which is a descendant of uh, the Hudson corporation is going to reintroduce that nameplate is a CUV, a crossover utility vehicle. I have some pictures of it that we'll show you here in a couple of minutes. It looks like it's uh, it's going to be a pretty cool looking little car. And, uh, you know, Dodge hasn't introduced a new model. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Nathan is, you know, I don't know how old exactly Nathan is, but I'll bet you Nathan wasn't even born the last time Dodge introduced a fully brand new model. I mean, you know, you have the Challenger and, uh, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But as far as as new stuff, you know, things haven't gone well for them in that uh, realm. You know, as far as 
new cars. I mean, things that they have taken models that they have had and changed them and updated them and put different engines in them and all different types of things. But the Dodge nameplate itself, uh, it's been a while since they've come out with something. So it's uh, nice to see them pulling, uh, I don't know, pulling something out of uh, out of the Dodge nameplate, which is now pretty much a, uh, since they split up Ram and Dodge, Dodge is pretty much a performance nameplate. I think the last non-performance car that they put out there was the Dodge Dart, which was several years ago, I think probably closing in on on 10 uh, when they uh, put that out there and occasionally you'll drive by a dealer and see him still stuck out there uh, or still sitting out there on a used car lot I thought the Dodge Dart was actually uh, a pretty decent little economy car I knew a couple of people that owned them and bought them uh, because they were a very good price when they came out and were uh, pleased I mean it was it's a it's an Alfa Romeo, I don't think it's a Julia, I forget which model Alfa Romeo, but basically that's what it is, just as this Dodge uh, that you're going to be seeing coming out uh, in um, uh, as a 2023 model is uh, a, um, an Alfa Romeo, Torai, uh, uh, I think it is, um, I, a little too close to Touareg for my liking, but be that as it is, uh, it's nice to see them, you know, not because there's, you know, there's always talk when somebody doesn't put a, uh, a car out for a long time that maybe the company is about to go under. Maybe things aren't going to be as good as uh, we all think uh, that they are going to be, but it seems like uh, Dodge and uh, the new management, the Stellantis people, are intent on uh, keeping current models around and also, um, you know, making that brand uh, a performance brand. And, you know, along those lines, not only uh, did they announce the um, the new uh, Dodge Hornet, uh, which they say will be, the most powerful CUV under $30,000. Uh, they'll have a Hornet RT, a Hornet GT, and the uh, GT GLH concept, with GLH reportedly standing for goes like hell. So you can see where their minds are at. Uh, but again, a, a segment of the marketplace that uh, could use a little uh, uh, ginning up. So it'll be nice to see that. Uh, they also announced did Stellantis uh, this past week at, at their Speed Week, which they hold at the same time as Monterey, but the Speed Week is in Michigan, and they set up a whole thing, and they invite people in, and you come, and you can look at these different cars, and uh, it's, it's really something uh, to see. The Durango SRT Hellcat uh, is coming back. Uh, they didn't do it this year, but uh, it will be back for the... Uh, 2023 model year, uh, 6.2 liter Hemi, which will give you 710 horsepower in one of those uh, huge SUVs. Well, actually, the Durango isn't a huge SUV. It's a, it's smaller than an Escalade and bigger 
than uh, a forerunner. Maybe even about the same same size as a forerunner. But anyway, that's uh, uh, you know uh, good news for people that like to buy horsepower, seven hundred and ten and six hundred and forty-five pound-feet of torque available uh, off the showroom floor for that uh, no price uh, lineup on that yet, but it's always been those those cars actually have been a pretty good value for people that uh, that want to go the performance route. You need to own a gas station to be able to afford one to the gas, but uh, I'll tell you, it's, uh, you know, they're quite impressive vehicles to uh, to drive. I've driven quite a few of the Hellcats, and there's something about you get in that uh, seat, you're rumbling that thing, and you're, you know, you get it on the road, and, and next thing you know, you're you're seduced by the car, and you have this, you know, you've broken out in a sweat, <laughs> because the thing is, uh, is all you can handle and I'm talking about an experienced driver, is all you can handle. So that's out there. Um, Dodge also announced this year uh, that the um, 2022 Dodge Challenger will be sold uh, as, uh, as a convertible, which is something that I have just, I've been nuts for. Uh, the first time I saw the Challenger, the first thing I said to Scott Brown, who is our, uh, our uh, Stellantis rep out here, is when does it come in a convertible? I want one in a convertible. And I don't know if uh, GM putting out the Camaro convertible pushed them along on this one or not. I, I don't think that, that really happens uh, one car pushes another like that as much anymore in the old days yeah if dodge came out with a convertible chevy had to have one then the mustang uh had to come out with uh, a convertible so it all kind of they all chased each other around the block but uh i guess it's not built by dodge it's built by a third party coach maker you'll love that term coach maker so like Cinderella should be coming down. Anyway, um, you'll be able to now just go to a Dodge dealer and order it with all with whatever options you want on it and so on and so forth from the, uh, from the dealer. So it will come right out of the dealer. It won't be a thing we have to drive to uh, Indianapolis to pick it up or to South Bend or, you know, someplace where these coach builders tend to be located. You'll be able to order it at a dealer. It'll be delivered to the dealer. And then you will be able to go down to the dealer, pick up your car, drive it off. The warranty will stay intact, uh, and which is a worry sometimes when you buy these cars. So that's great news coming out of Dodge. And also they announced that the Dodge Daytona SRT concept car is uh, is it coming to your showroom floor room? I don't know when this one is going to be available, uh, but this is an all electric uh, Dodge Daytona that looks um, awesome. I mean, it just looks. I, I mean, it's got it's got some of the old. Um, Kind of BMW almost DNA in it, you know, like the big uh, 
uh, BMW uh, two doors, and it's just it's a spectacular looking car if they keep it true to the vision uh, that they have shown in this Dodge uh, Charger Daytona SRT concept. As a matter of fact, I'm going to see if I can uh, get it up on the screen here for you, uh, at least give you a, a look at it. Nah, it's, it's just not cooperating with me here. Um, anyway, that's something that you can, uh, well, wait a minute now. Hang on, maybe we can, uh, have some fun with this thing. Uh, we share the screen. We do the share the screen. We press the, the hoop hoop de do there. And we should be sharing the screen, I would think. <laughs> sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, folks. Um, anyway, you can, uh, we'll put... A picture of it up on our Facebook page and uh, on the website so on and so forth so you can take a look at this because it really is I think a uh, spectacular uh, looking car and there's some nice video out of it and uh, everything interesting features on this thing uh, they, they call it the three patented game-changing features the R-Wing a unique aerodynamic pass-through design that will connect the concept with its Daytona namesake. The Fratsonic Chambered Exhaust. Just the name alone, I'd buy it, right? The Fratsonic. Very cool name. Uh, it is um, basically a recording of a, of, of a, of a gas engine, uh, but it'll reach 126 decibels. Uh, making it as loud as a Hellcat-powered Dodge. So if you need uh, the sound of the engine, the rumble of the engine, if that's what makes it for you, what does it for you, Dodge is going to give you that. And Erupt, which is a multi-speed transmission with an electromechanical shifting experience, that's pure Dodge. I don't, I don't know. Sounds uh, <laughs> sounds kind of cool. Uh, you know, well, I, I mean, it's almost like you're looking now at, at, at full-size passenger cars that are similar to what we bought when we were kids as, um, you know, model cars, action cars, slot cars. And when you think about how these cars are, uh, built uh, with so much electricity involved in them, uh, you're almost thinking to yourself that instead of ripping up those uh, uh, those slot car tracks that we used to see, you remember you used to go to the hobby shop over in uh, in, in West Seattle. Uh, there was uh, where West Five is the, the the bar that actually I think has uh, gone out of business uh, not too long ago. There used to be a, a, a slot racing track in there. People, I used to get out myself, go down and put the car on the track, and you hit it with the controller, and it goes around the track, and you race other cars, and um, you get a chance to strut your stuff, your stuff. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, a little simpler time. Uh, now you have the radio control cars, but there was something about those slot cars that was really cool. I always enjoyed it. But it seems like they've brought that to real actual cars so that's a lot of a lot of good news coming out of dodge this week 
and uh, I'm um, I'm excited to see these cars. Excited to get a chance to drive them, and you know, it's uh, electric does not have to mean boring. As a matter of fact, I think there are going to be electrics out there uh, that will surprise you as to how fast they are, how quick they are, how responsive they are. Uh, you'll be able to get on I-5, uh, get miles and miles away, be able to charge your car and have fun driving it uh, because the electric platform gives you uh, a lot of options you didn't have or don't have with the internal combustion engine. So that's something to uh, look forward to. I'm very excited about it. One of the other things that I saw uh, that was uh, very exciting uh, down at Monterey is the um, Lincoln L100. You know, Lincoln has fallen on some, uh, not hard times, but who goes out and buys a Lincoln these days? It's the last time you saw a neighbor roll down the street in a brand-new Lincoln. Well, part of that is is that they've kind of reconsidered themselves a bit and said, okay, what do we want to be? And the word that keeps coming up, or the phrase that keeps coming up in the mind of uh, the Lincoln executive is ultra-luxury. We want to be an American car that delivers Rolls-Royce-type experiences when you drive it. And if you've never driven a Rolls-Royce, I can tell you it's a spectacular experience to drive that car. Uh, the quality, the things that is done uh, with, you know, the same materials that you build other cars out of. But they have a way of putting them together by hand at Rolls-Royce that's phenomenal. Well... You know, Lincoln is trying to move that along a little bit and and kind of claim some of that as uh, America as well as, um, you know, kind of keep it somewhat reasonable for people. But they, you know, you, you never really think of an electric car or an American car approaching the quality and the build and everything of a Rolls Royce, but at Lincoln, they're trying to make that happen. Uh, so at Pebble Beach, they showed off this L100 concept, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that the name of a Tacoma pickup truck at one point, the L100? Anyway, it um, goes back uh, to take that 100 years of Lincoln that we've had already, is, um, you know, Lincoln wants you to look at this car and think back to other days when things were different, when, you know, luxury was more than just a concept. Luxury is something that you want and you shopped for in that dealer showroom and you could do it in an American showroom, not just um, a foreign automaker that you could find luxury at any of the automakers. So, uh, we, we haven't heard much about the powertrain. We know there's going to be battery cell, battery pack, uh, trying to uh, step up the, um, uh, you know, the improvements on uh, batteries. Ford has invested in a solid state 
battery company, so Ford will be making their own batteries uh, here pretty soon. As soon as they get this uh, company off the ground, I'll put some. I'll put a uh, video up of uh, this vehicle as well. It doesn't have a steering wheel. Well, you know, conventional wisdom tells you that a car needs a steering wheel, but we're moving out of conventional wisdom. If you're going to put an electric motor in a car, maybe it's time to look at something different as far as the way the car uh, moves about. Uh, I'm sure that this thing is, uh, when when I look at it, uh, I, I can see all sorts of possibilities here, uh, but it's an interesting control. Uh, some in the industry have called it a, uh, a, a chess piece. It is an autonomous uh, driving vehicle. So you can, what it does is it makes, it allows you to switch the seating arrangement around in the car. Uh, it's a lifting roof. Rear hinge doors, uh, big wheel covers uh, that um, have lights in them. So it's, you know, these concept cars, some of it rings true in what comes out as a production model, and some of it is hefty dreaming. You got to keep the boys in design working and the women in design working. So we'll see what becomes of it. But just to see something coming out of Lincoln, um, I consider... A victory. I will put pictures up on um, the, uh, the Facebook page as well, so that you can uh, take a look at these uh, the concept of this car. It's a concept car, and see the interesting pieces that have been put into place. I would think that this thing is is. Well, it's going to be a whole learning curve in driving these things because you're not going to steer like you usually steer. There's going to be a difference in what you have to do. And are they going to come up with some kind of system that is easily, uh, you know, easily uh, operated as you uh, as you switch from autonomous to controlling your own car? It's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of uh, questions here and. With the rush to build electric cars, it seems that the automakers have lightened up a little bit on the autonomous car game. Uh, you know, you remember three or four years ago, that's all we heard about, right? Was, oh, cars, self-driving cars will be here in two weeks, and uh, everybody's got to get ready, and we'll have cars that will do this, and do that, and do this, and do that, and do this, and do that. Simon says, do this, Simon says, do that. But that's kind of moved to the back burner a little bit uh, because the rush is on, the race is on to electrify, to get as much equipment electric-like as you can uh, because of the, uh, well, not just because of the federal government, but a big piece of it is uh, they expect that uh, the cheapest way you'll be able to buy a car and probably get a car with government subsidies has got to be electric or some kind of fuel cell. It's going to have to show over a certain amount of time that these cars are uh, viable, which I think they are. I have no doubt in my mind that 25 years from now, 
when somebody drives down the street in a gas engine car, it's going to be an event. Just like right now, somebody drives down the street in an electric car, and it's not one of the ones you're used to seeing. It's uh, people are looking at it, and they're checking it out. The thirst for these uh, vehicles is really um, becoming more and more uh, by the American public every day. And as people find out uh, and stop believing rumors that are on the Internet and actually believe that these vehicles are viable and are good and can be used as... uh, everyday transportation if you're not uh, you know if your commute isn't 350 miles long every day you know you got something here and even if it is the improvement in the technology is coming along at such a pace that you'll drive your car 200 miles stop get a cup of coffee plug it in when you finish up your cup of coffee your vehicle will be 80 percent charged so that's uh, that's a pretty cool thing that is happening as well. And my friends, speaking about the Ford Motor Company and what they are doing right now, there's a, a, a pretty cool event. The new Ford is uh, Mustang is coming. And Ford is going to have some fun doing this. Uh, announcing the global debut of the all-new 7th generation Mustang. Uh, It'll be announced in Detroit on September 14th. And uh, part of what they are going to do is they're going to welcome Ford Mustang owners, fans, media, and employees to the Stampede, which is the actual name of the event that Ford is going to reveal uh, the brand-new Mustang. It'll happen on September 14th in Detroit, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you have a Mustang and you want to participate in this event, they are uh, encouraging you to get out there and to uh, see this vehicle and, and look at it and see what they're uh, doing here as far as the, you know, we already know about the Mustang Mach E. Well, this will be the complete electrification of the Mustang. And I think that people who were so vehemently against uh, the Mach E, many of them have come around uh, to help, uh, you know, help Ford feel like they were in the right direction with this thing. People that wouldn't touch a Mustang got into that uh, Mach E. And we're just shocked with how wonderful it rode, how um, quick the acceleration was, and many other aspects of this car. People saying, oh, it's just going to be another uh, Fiesta or something like that. No, no, don't believe, you know, look for yourself. Do your own research. Read many media outlets so that you get a clearer idea of what exactly is going on now the cool thing about this is that uh, they are going to move this vehicle uh debut this vehicle in detroit but a week or so beforehand uh, they will encourage you if you are a mustang owner to of which i've owned several to uh join in the stampede and the stampede 
is a cross-country drive uh, that will get underway about a week before um, uh, a week before the, the actual stamp you know the actual event in Detroit on September 6th kicking off at the Limay Museum down in Tacoma uh, what the event called a drive home to the stampede will cross nine states stop more than a dozen times in the final leg of the journey we'll see on this get together at uh, Ford World headquarters in Dearborn to show this uh, this new Mustang off if you are interested if you have a Mustang and you're interested although you know what if you have a Ford Maverick the old one you know the the, the kind of cheap uh, inexpensive Mustang I don't know that anybody's going to tell you you can't do it. But then again, I don't know for sure you should check. But if you go to MustangStampedeDetroit.com, that is MustangStampedeDetroit.com, they will uh, take your uh, your name and your number and uh, the drive home will, could include you going from Tacoma to Detroit. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it sounds a little... Where are you going? I'm going we're going on vacation. I'm going, uh, I'm going to start Tacoma. I'm going to end up in uh, Detroit. Uh, but both cities that are vastly underrated. Um, but uh, they are going to uh, uh, David Madera down at the museum. And the uh, chairman of, vice chairman of the Automotive Trust says that this is going to be a spectacular event. They expect a lot of people to turn out for this thing, and even better, a ton of people to turn out on the sidelines watching this thing go by. So we'll bring you more information uh, about this. I think that, uh, you know, they've done this uh, the past few years. I forget when they started, eight, seven, something like that, years ago. And uh, I just think it's going to be a wonderful event. And if you are a, a Mustang owner, it's a chance for fellowship with other Mustang owners to see groovy stuff. They probably got a heck of a swag bag uh, together for this. So, again, uh, if you want to take that uh, week after Labor Day off and go for a nice ride with a few hundred thousand of your favorite people, not a bad idea. Again, uh, if you know, the LeMay is doing it, it's got to be pretty good. There are a bunch of good people down there. We've had them on the show before. Uh, so and we'll bring you more information about this as it uh, progresses. But I think this is a, a very cool event to show off our part of the city, uh, our part of the country, I should say, to the rest of the country and to involve owners of uh, old Mustangs in, um, in an experience that, I mean, how many times do you get to drive cross-country with, I don't know, 2,500 of uh, people on the same kind of car that you do? It's, uh, I think it's a cool thing. I love <clears throat> that kind of stuff. I love going to Corvettes at Carlisle where they get together and, uh, 
and hang out at uh, Carlisle together. They take over the whole town for the weekend uh, with a swap meet and showing off vehicles and this and that. It's really, it brings that piece of automotive that's not just a utilitarian car, but it, you know, it, it involves you in something. You know, it makes you, uh, gives you the opportunity to participate as much or as little as you want. So it's good for all skill levels because nobody sits there and says, ah, you, you know, you were, you finished 1598. Uh, you know, you're no good. You still get the dash black. You still get the goodie bag. And you get to hang out with a bunch of car people. And I, I always enjoy that. I think that's a, uh, it's always good. You know, two people I really enjoy hanging out. Well, three people. I love hanging out with baseball people. I love hanging out with car people. And uh, I like hanging out with Nathan. Because, you know, when, when I hang out with Nathan, good things happen. Our uh, erstwhile producer, Nathan. Uh, Nathan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Vinny. Doing great. Good, good. Are you thinking uh, this might be something you'd like to go on this uh Mustang uh, drive home? I mean, I can never say no to getting into a Mustang. I've had many great experiences driving in a Mustang. Yeah. yeah maybe we could maybe we could send you as our uh, erstwhile correspondent. I would be up for it. Boy, see, now you got me thinking. Well, let's let's find out how this works. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can figure something out. You never know, right? Uh, that's, what, that's what makes this a great country. How was your week, Nathan? Oh, it's going good. Uh, kind of a weird week weather-wise. I don't know if you remember yesterday, but you looked outside. It was like all crazy and like misty rain, but yeah, it was sunny. Uh, yeah. Other than that, you know, just enjoying summer. I'm always a fan for nice sunny days. Yeah, me too, man. I love uh, I, I love the weather. I love the fact. And I like that today it's cooled down. I have, um, I have some family in town. Uh, my nephew, godson, uh, and his parents are in town, so we've been doing a little bit of the uh, tourist thing, and it's really good. You know, took him up to Chuckanut last night, and uh, to Bellingham, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to see Seattle uh, it, and its environment in uh, terms of a tourist. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we sometimes forget what a beautiful area we live in. You know, um, so it's nice to to do that and to, uh, you know, see it through the eyes of a, a 12 year old. And some gorgeous sunsets, too, these past few days. Oh, he's 15 years old. What am I saying? Yeah. And yeah, we caught the sunset last night in Bellingham uh, and chucking up. And it was beautiful, spectacular. And then we caught one, um, oddly enough, just right over I-5, you know, just uh, a place where you could stop. And just look and get you know get off the get up above the highway and just look out and it was oh, just uh, really spectacular. And uh, matter of fact, uh, I should put this on my nephew. I, I said he was a lead before. I'm nuts. He's 15, um, and he's a heck of a baseball player. And he brought brought me a uh, ad from his uh, baseball team. So if you see me walking down the street with this hat on, don't mistake me for one of the uh, McClatchy. Hardcore baseball players, because uh, uh, I don't think I look like a high school kid, but maybe this hat takes a few years off of me, Nathan. What do you think? 
Yeah, you can rock it. Yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of weird with the New York uh, shirt on right now, but I mean, change that up, and you got it, Vinny. Well, yeah, you know, he brought me um, a McClatchy shirt, but he brought the wrong, uh, the wrong shirt. So he's got to exchange the shirts, but I guess I'm going to get a uh, a shirt and a mail in the not too distant future. And I'm, I'm very proud uh, to wear uh, the McClatchy shirt out of uh, out of uh, Northern California. It's really, uh, you know, really uh, a, a good baseball program and a good school. So I'm uh, I'm happy to see him playing sports and you know having a good time uh, out on vacation. I don't think I took a vacation with my parents. After I was about 12 or 13. I think that might have been the last one. Yeah, uh, probably so. Um, all right, Nathan, you got a, uh, a question you may want to ask me? Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. You sly fox, you, Nathan. I just, somehow, I, uh, I always wonder. Anyway, I am driving, Nathan. Um... A spectacularly surprising vehicle. I am driving a uh, um, Mitsubishi Outlander SUV, and I got to tell you, I you know Mitsubishi is survived um, many uh, problems, financial problems. The thought that they were going to close down. Um, uh, you know, closed down making cars here. Uh, they've survived building some, not the greatest cars in the world. But when you look at them uh, and, and look at how this company seems to always be able to punch its way out of the paper bag, uh, it, it, it becomes a very impressive story. And this new uh, Outlander uh, SUV is... Uh, a, a, a part of that story, and it really, when you uh, when you look at it, I mean, it's it's not the first. They're not the first cars that come to your mind when you uh, uh, go out there to buy a car. But yet, when you take a look at this thing and you drive it, it really um, it it, it really stands up. Now I'm driving uh, the 2022 Outlander. Uh, it has. Um, a lot of uh, Nissan parts in it. It's really a, a very close cousin of uh, the Nissan Rogue, which a lot of people like. A lot of people think it's a great car. I happen to think it's a pretty good car too. Um, it uh, it they've completely redesigned this thing. It, when you get in it, the interior is top quality. There's a problem with Mitsubishi in the past. Sometimes you got in there. And you're like, wow, I mean, this thing looks cheap. And this, But they will turn around. They put a whole new entertainment system in it. Comfortable seats. Upgraded the interior materials. It has more space in it than I think probably anything else in the class. I haven't checked it against the figures in that class. But it's ginormous inside. And it has three seats. Now, the third seat, you may have to be a bit of a, you know, short person to get in that back seat or a kid, but it's there, and it can be used, 
And in case of emergency, uh, where you have to, you know, you're at some place, you have to take an extra kid home from soccer practice or something like that, that seat comes in handy because it still leaves a lot of space to put things in. Um, you know, even if you're not putting human back there, bags and stuff like that. Also, uh, as I said, the interior materials are well done. Uh, they used good materials for, uh, you know, the minor touches, like the wood paneling and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you get in it and you just feel, uh, it feels more expensive than it is. And I'm, I'm thankful that they were uh, they were able to do it because, uh, again, like I said, a company that's gone through a lot of ups and downs. And, uh, you know, you, I guess you kind of root for people that go through that kind of stuff. And it's nice to see them uh, putting out a car that uh, can stand up to that kind of, uh, of, of um, you know, the other vehicles in the class. And actually... In some places, outrun the other vehicles in the class. It's not fast. It's only got, I think, 187 horsepower or something like that and a CVT transmission. So you are going to run into the uh, problem of underpoweredness, especially when you go to pass somebody. But if you're looking for that vehicle that drives around town, it'll get you the kids to school and the kids to soccer practice, and all that kind of stuff. This car, and again, uh, I reserved final judgment until the um, last part of, uh, of the test because I haven't taken it uh, off-road or anything like that yet. But on I-5 yesterday, going back and forth up to uh, Chuck and Nut and, and so on and so forth, it performed spectacular. It, uh, you know, no... Um, no problems. You know, everything was just well put together and well placed, well thought out. So we'll see how the rest of the test goes this weekend. Uh, we'll take it for a little slight off-road. I mean, I don't think this is a vehicle you're going to take up to the top of a mountain or anything like that. But uh, a little slight off-road use and a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of, um, um, uh, I don't know, class, I guess is the word I'm looking for. It's just a very classy-looking car. It's a little different than everything else out there, but not over the top. So that, that's, the, that's what I'm driving this week, uh, the 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. If you're in the market for that kind of car, uh, that kind of crossover, it certainly is worth stopping in and seeing the vehicle and uh, taking it for a ride and seeing what you think about it. Uh, you know, it's uh, these cars obviously are uh, are a, um, a matter of taste, but uh, there's also mechanical reliability and so on and so forth, <clears throat> excuse me, that you have to look at and... Uh, Mitsubishi seems to have righted the ship on some of that stuff uh, in, a, in a very good and uh, efficient way. So I'll be interested in seeing what other people think about it, and we'll have a final report on it uh, coming up uh, coming up next week. All right, um, we are going to uh, 
connect with Monterey here in just a second. If uh, you'll call Perry, please, uh, Nathan. Uh, we have him for eight. He's on the line. We got him. Beautiful. Uh, let's now go to Monterey and um, Car Week, as they call it down there, because this, every kind of car that you've ever dreamed of is uh, roaming around the streets, the golf courses, and uh, everything in Monterey. Perry Stern joins us, our good friend. Uh, Perry, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Vinny? I'm good, Perry. I'm good. Now I'm talking to you. I'm even a little bit better. Excellent. So, how is Monterey? This this is the first full-blown one since COVID, right? Well, it did run last year, uh, but it was a little subdued. Uh, I wasn't here last year, but uh, it is definitely in full force this year. Every venue has been packed full. Uh, the roads are packed. And the crazy thing is seeing what cars it's packed with. Uh, in fact, I was driving through Carmel on Wednesday, and next to me was a one-of-a-kind Mercedes C111 1970s concept car. I mean, it's it's priceless. And it was just driving down the road like every other car. Yeah, it's really amazing sometimes when you, uh, you know, you look, you go to a, a, a thing like that, and you, you pull up in a light, and you look in the car, and you're like, where have I seen that before? And it's you haven't seen it anywhere except the pages of a car magazine or in a museum. It's you know you see that caliber of car down there. It is, and it's uh, and there are so many events. Uh, you know, I try to do everything, and it's almost impossible. Uh, they call it Monterey Car Week, and it's of course uh, based with the Pebble Beach Concours, uh, and it all kicks off on Thursday. So a couple of days ago, uh, where all of the vehicles that are going to be shown at the Concours on Sunday, and these are, you know, absolutely gorgeous vehicles that are, you know, everything from the, you know, pre-war early 1900s, uh, all the way through, you know, you know, sixties Ferraris, um, and they drive, uh, all through Carmel and Monterey. Uh, so these are cars that they're not just, you know, they don't just tow them in and put them on the green. These cars drive. And to see them driving around, it's, you know, it's, it's like stepping back into the past. What's been the sweetest sounding car that you've heard down there? I mean, you know, obviously there's different uh, cars that have different sounds and uh, so on and so forth. But is there one that's really stuck out? I, I know sometimes I listen to a Ferrari and I go, wow, man, that's just, it's like listening to a watch work. Uh, anything well, that's kind of hit you in that, in, that, in that oral fashion? I don't know if it, I'd call it the sweetest sound, but it was certainly the most noticeable. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Hennessy Motorsports, but Hennessy. Oh, yeah. So John Hennessy, you know, has built, you know, his slogan's always been taking fast cars and making them faster. Uh, so he has built uh, his own bespoke uh, hypercar, and they unveiled the convertible version, the Roadster. So it's called the Venom F5 Roadster. Uh, they call it the F5, referring to the, you know, the tornado, the Fujitsu scale, I guess it's called, where F5 is the highest wind uh, speed. And this is a car that they're saying will exceed 300 miles an hour. Perfectly street legal, 1,800 plus horsepower. But they unveiled the Roadster version yesterday and had three of them on stage and started them all up at the same time. And the sound of that would scare small children. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Um, how, and we're talking to our good friend Perry Stern. 
uh, down in uh, Monterey as he is uh, taking in everything that's going on with Car Week down there. How it's, uh, how's the electric uh, uh, internal combustion debate going on down there? Uh, is it? Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, electrics are coming, but there's, I'm sure there's still some curmudgeons that are sitting there going, oh, these things will never work. It, it's been interesting because a lot of the companies that you – you know, are well known for building very fast, very high performance gasoline powered vehicles are going to have to start changing. So I had, uh, uh, I'm actually here as a guest of Lamborghini and had a conversation with their uh, CEO, uh, Stefan Winkleman. And he was saying that in Europe, it, by 2030, gas engines very likely will not even be allowed. And so they're having to figure out how to how to make a car that feels and looks and sounds even like a Lamborghini without a gas engine, which is a challenge. But they are moving ahead that direction. Um, but as it happens, I'm also driving one of their cars this week. So I'm driving around in a Lamborghini Huracan Evo Spider, which when you talk about exhaust sounds, it's... Uh, it is absolutely wonderful. I can just drive around at 30 miles an hour, and it sounds fantastic. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, you know, th- that's the one thing that, uh, if there's anything I don't like about the electrics, it's, and I know that they're going to put the recorded sound and so on and so forth in them, but there's something about that, uh, you know, the top down in the Miata on a hot night, uh, driving through the desert at, uh, you know, 85 miles an hour, just the tone of that engine and the way it, 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 it touches you um, in a place inside. It's why you love cars, right? It is. And it's, you know, it's, it's almost like it's, uh, it gives the car soul. Uh, and, but it was an interesting point also that as they start building cars for, say, 2030, you know, we're looking, you know, almost 10 years out. By that time, you know, a younger crowd will be, the ones that are purchasing the vehicles and they may be more interested in quieter cars than, uh, than you would, you know, than what we're used to. And so it may just be that there's going to be a change of, uh, belief. What's the most expensive car you've seen? And I'm talking about value, uh, at at this point, not necessarily auction, but just, is there a, is there a car that you looked at and you just said, man, I can't believe that there's something on four tires that cost this much money. Well, I did see it. It was up at the auctions. The, uh, there's a Bugatti, uh, I think it's called the Atlante Atlantic. Um, I don't know how much it's gone for. I don't think it's sold yet, but it's estimated to sell for 10 to $12 million. So wow. imagine a $12 million thing you can drive around it. Uh, for me, it would have to be a house. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, would have, you know, it would have to be something that I could live in and work in and probably be buried in all at the same time. Uh, well, you figure someone who's buying a $12 million car probably also has a $12 million house and probably a couple other multi-million dollar cars. It's a, it's a different world down here. Yeah, I, I mean that's the thing that, that I always tell people and try to impress on is you go to, you go to a place like this and you really throw the numbers as far as uh, value and cost out and you enjoy them for uh, the art, the design, the engine, uh, you, you know the the parts that the pieces of the puzzle that have nothing to do with what the car costs. It, it really is what the car does to you emotionally. Absolutely. And, and that's the greatest thing about coming down here for this is, I mean, these are rolling works of art. And in some cases, you know, they're, 
you know, they have such historical significance. Um, in fact, I'm sitting here staring. They just uh, had a press conference here uh, kicking off the 100th anniversary of the Le Mans, you know, the 24-hour Le Mans race, uh, that, you know, right. the endurance race. And uh, they've unveiled the new trophy. And the, the noise you may be able to hear behind me is, I believe it is a 1937 Bugatti that won Le Mans. And it's sitting here up on the ramp uh, with the engine running <laughs> as everybody's looking at it. So it's just crazy things like that where, you know, this is such a huge piece of history and it's just sitting right there. Yeah, that's the great thing about it is, uh, you know, we we think of history as, you know, pieces in a museum. And, yeah, a lot of these cars do uh, go into museums and private collections. But because many of them drive or at least can be trailered, you, you get that opportunity a couple of times a year to, uh, you know, get next to and, and look at, probably not touch, but look at, uh, you know, the Ford GT that uh, beat the Ferraris or, you know, those different uh, vehicles that were such landmark vehicles on the landscape of automotive history. Exactly. And and there is a class of vehicles here at the Concorde that they show on Sunday. They call it preservation class. And these are cars, you know, from as, you know, as old as 100 years or more that have never been restored. So they are as they were back then. And, you know, you, you stick your head in and it's like smelling history. It's it's just incredible to see, uh, you know, where the original paint and, you know, I, I remember seeing uh, a Rolls Royce, like a 1930s um, Rolls Royce that had not been restored. And there was grass up in the wheel wells from the last time it had driven across the field to the barn where they found the car. Wow. That's, you know, I mean, you think of that, that, that you know, that, that grass is probably 50 years old, right? Easily, easily, if not more. <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, Perry, it's good to catch up with you. I really appreciate you uh, jumping on. Are you writing reports uh, or anything? Uh, can people follow your uh, your stuff from Monterey or your more? Absolutely. Uh, if, you, uh, if you go up to our site, which is autonxt.net, uh, we'll, we've got some stories on some of the newer cars that have been shown that are already up. Uh, the new DeLorean electric car was shown, uh, new Lamborghini, uh, the new Hennessy that I mentioned, and we'll also have a lot of the photos of the historical vehicles that uh, went in the tour, and then of course uh, tomorrow is the big day, and after that we'll have multiple stories of all the different cars that are out here, going to be out here on the field. Awesome, that's autonxt.com, right? Dot net. .net. Okay, we yep. will put a, I'll put a link to it on uh, our Drive Time uh, Facebook page as well. That. Perry, thank you so much, man. It's good to see you. Ho hopefully we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. All right, my friend. Thanks. That's Perry Stern from Auto NXT, uh, who's down in Monterey covering the festivities down there. It's, uh, if you, as I said at the beginning of the show, if you ever get a chance to go, uh, uh, you know, just to, to go down there for a, a weekend and take a look at car week uh, if you have any interest in these vehicles at all uh, it is something that you'll never forget uh, the people that you meet the cars that you look at and so much more the, the rich lush history of uh, automobilia down at monterey all right that's going to put it in the books for us for another edition of drive time we thank you so much go to our facebook page we uh, you know put so much stuff there 
during the week, including pictures of the cars that I'm driving. We'll have a couple of reviews for you next week and some other special stuff. So I will meet you back here. Thank you so much to uh, Nathan and to uh, our good friend George Jackson, who helps the show roll along merrily. Uh, We'll see you next week if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. Stay safe.